Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about getting your art into galleries and other, most importantly, other opportunities that are out there. Do you want to? How to? Yeah. <laughs> what are the benefits? Yeah, as a lot of you guys know, you know, when you're doing this whole art career thing, uh, there are several different paths that you could take, right? I talk about it in the Rogue Artist Survival Guide, where it's not about like this trail, this is the way that you do this thing and become an artist, or like this is the path that you're supposed to take or any of that stuff. I The way that I visualized it was there are all these like well-worn paths, right, that other people have taken, but yet when you look at the full landscape, you've got the entire forest in front of you and you could literally blaze your own trail in whichever direction you want. And that was the thing that really inspired me when it came to approaching different places to show my art, realizing very much that if I want to do this art career thing, um, I better be showing my art out there so that people could find it. Indeed. So um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the realistic way that you approach a gallery, right? There's a lot of articles and videos online on how to approach a gallery, how to get your artwork in a gallery, you know, 100% proven, fail-safe theory. I don't know. One of those things. Yeah, that's pretty much what they say. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, when I think of the ways that we've gotten into galleries, um, it was pretty much just kind of like show up, Talk to the gallery owner. Yeah, there were a couple things, a couple commonalities, though, that I that I observed in the successful approach to a gallery versus unsuccessful. By the way, you guys, we have our amazing rogue artist community here with us. So if you hear us reading comments, it, we're talking to them. Uh, they are here with us. They'll be chiming in with their questions and their awesome insights and their stories related to this topic. Yeah, these guys are the reason that these podcasts are so good. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the commonalities? Okay, so one of the things that I sort of noticed across the board when approaching a gallery that they're kind of looking for that they don't say, but they say without saying if you will, is that they are looking, and I, you guys, you're going to scoff at this word, okay, but they are looking for some level of professionalism. <laughs> Cue the eye roll. You're going to get an eye roll from me. What on I that mean <laughs> is that I noticed that galleries were reaching out to me after I had attained a certain level of a following myself, and after I had certain things in place as far as my presentation um, and just my overall aesthetic, that's when gallery relationships became sort of easy. Now, I would argue that I don't know if that falls into, does it fall into professionalism? Let's define the word professionalism, um, right? I, uh, so what I mean by professionalism is like sort of having your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So like not because I I try to stay away from the word professional because you and I have experienced this where we had friends that their idea of what it meant to pre be professional was basically like the cookie cutter yeah, way of doing it. The word is definitely relative. I think what I mean is that they like to see some level of like organization, um, like you have your shit together, right? Uh, because... 
they're looking for a symbiotic relationship. They're not looking for a one-sided relationship in either direction. Okay. That's the common thread. I like I like that because I think about it and I'm like, okay, so as far as having my shit together, right, what, what does that mean? For me, um, it just meant going out and doing shows, mm-hmm. you know, and posting on social media and basically letting the community, the area know that this is what I do. We did a lot of shows. A lot of people became very familiarized with us because we were out mm-hmm. doing stuff every weekend. And you're essentially, engaged in self-promotion. You're engaged in self-promotion. So I would, I in my mind, I would say instead of like using the word professionalism, um, I would say using the word determination. Like, yeah, you want to have your shit together. You have momentum behind you a little bit. Yeah, but really, like, how much do we have our shit together? I mean, okay, so uh, I'll just list off like the the qualities, right? The criteria that I'm Ra- going. Rachel's for. like scoff kidding Kidding. um that you're self-promoting actively that you have even a little following i think that you are um consistent enough to be producing work right that you're not going six months to a year without producing work right that's you know so you're actively producing and you're actively showing work right um that you kind of have it dialed in as far as how you're presenting your work, that the gallery's not going to have to do that for you or hold your hand through that process. Right. That you know, it doesn't mean you have to fall into the gallery's aesthetic necessarily, but it means you kind of know what your aesthetic is and you have that kind of dialed in as far as how you're presenting your stuff. Okay. Um, and honestly, a lot of galleries just like to know that you're reliable, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> That you're not going to like ghost out or like expect them to do everything. I think at the end of the day, for me, it was the the mindset changed in the way that I approach galleries when I realized that they're just people. Yeah. They're just businesses. You know, Sarah says here, I see a gallery's goal as being able to sell the work easily and that you're easy enough to work with. And basically, that's what it comes down to. I think when you're saying professionalism, it means that you're like, you know, that you're kind of on you're on top of things. You're you're not wishy washy. You're standing confidently in this thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're viewing your relationship with the gallery as a partnership. Right. Not not this preconceived notion that's out there for artists that like the moment that I get my art into a gallery, then I become successful. Then I'm going to be this or what it's understanding that like you're partnering with a gallery, they're going to do their promotion, but they fully expect you to do your own promotion as well. Mm -hmm. And in that partnership, you know, the consistency of creating the art that goes in there, um, And also, most importantly, I would say, because this this is the part that really did it for me in approaching a gallery, was understanding that, like, not only is the gallery going to vet you to see if you're a good fit, but you need to vet the gallery as well. Most definitely. Most times when people are rejected by a gallery, it's not because the artwork's not any good. It's because that gallery doesn't have the clientele that would sell that artwork, Right. right? And it also, you know, it's also maybe they're full, you know, there's a lot of business aspects to running a gallery. So when you approach a gallery, it's, it's almost like approaching them. I think about when I approached Marty or any of the other galleries and I waited until 
we had done a lot of shows and that basically we had created our own following mm-hmm. locally. At that artists. point, galleries were approaching us. Yeah, because at, at first, I think we approached again. When we got into town the yeah. first time, we approached both galleries that were in town and both galleries were like, no. no, sorry. And then a third gallery opened up and we approached that one and they were like, no. Well, they were full. They weren't taking on any new artists. One other thing that I've seen pretty consistently across the board with galleries is that they're obviously going to look and see like they don't want to have works that are very similar, right? So if they already have a particular style, um, they may not be looking for other artists that are doing that style. They want to see that your work is unique and and benefits the the artwork that they have overall. That was honestly the main thing that um, the last co-op gallery I belonged to was looking to see that I had a style that was mine and that it would fit but also benefit their overall what they were presenting as a gallery now that being said i wouldn't uh not approach a gallery if you see stuff that is similar in style because remember your artwork is unique yeah it's minor variances it's it's yeah minor variances so if you go in and you see um artwork that is similar to yours but not necessarily similar to yours always my whole thing is like approach the gallery if you're interested in being in the gallery Um, because you think that the gallery is a good fit, Mm -hmm. but, um, if you get rejected, it's no big deal. Yeah. You you move on to a different gallery. Our kind of MO is like, well, it doesn't hurt to ask if you like what they seem to be about. And if it's not a good fit, then it's just as well that, you know, you look elsewhere. So, so how would you approach, given your experience, Clee, how would you approach a gallery to begin with, when you approached a gallery, not the co-op, but the first time you approached a gallery, what was that like for you? So I went to the gallery, checked out their aesthetic, right? And basically the first inquiry was, um, what is the process for an artist if they wish to become part of your gallery, right? That's an open-ended question. It's not a yes or no. So you're not setting them up to shut you down immediately. You're asking, what would the process look like for an artist who wanted to be part of this. And so at that point, they're going to tell you, right? They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, whatever works for them, right? Submit a portfolio via email, bring a portfolio to us, or they might tell you, like, we have a waiting list, but at least it's getting the conversation going. With Marty Campbell, it was... Uh, you know, I have room for a jewelry artist. I would need to see examples of your work. It just so happened that I had been featured in a magazine that month that Marty's gallery carried. So I was able to open the magazine right then and there and show my work. That was that was really fun. That's like a once in a lifetime sort of <laughs> like the stars aligned for me. And he said, you know, well, basically, yeah, as soon as you're ready, start bringing stuff in. Um, When it came to the co-op gallery that I was part of, they had already seen my work because we were neighbors at the farmer's market. Uh, But they asked me to basically put a presentation together of, I believe it was six, six pieces of my work. It's very similar to like getting into a jury didn't show. And then it went before a jury. Um, And so I was trying to strike a balance between like each of the pieces being a standalone unique piece and also looking good as a collection. And that's a common question, right? 
if I'm going before a jury for a gallery show or even a contest, should each piece be a standalone thing or should they talk to one another as a collection? And that's a tough decision to make, right? Because you want to show a wide range of what you can do, but you also don't want it to look like it's all over the place. I think, I think it really depends on where you're at in that particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like really wrapped up in like a big project that's going to require a lot of works, um, then maybe that would be the aesthetic. Be like, this is where I'm at right now. And you could later on show examples of your past work. But like really when you're thinking about getting into a gallery, especially because the way that there are systems in place for a lot of galleries to run their business because that's just how it's done, right? It doesn't mean that that's how it needs to be done, but it's just how it's done. So a lot of times when they're jurying in, they're looking to see what kind of work you are working on now. What are examples of your work? And so if you are involved in a project, I would actually put together a list of, of those, six of those, with an artist statement that describes that entire project that you're working on at that point in time and you know and also list on there if you want to see examples of other work of previous work go mm-hmm. ahead and show me i chose for my juried pieces i chose a collection that did show off my range but also like i tried to strike a balance between those two i yeah. I, I felt like as a collection they looked good together but they also showed different elements of of what I did. The other thing that the gallery was looking for was that I had a pricing system in place that would accommodate their percentage that they were going to take. Um, that's a big one. You have to have a pricing structure set up, even if you have to figure it out right before you start putting stuff in that allows the gallery to take their cut without gouging your bottom line. And right? we, we talk about that pricing system in the Rogue Artist Money Book where we talk about having already when you get started, you want to kind of think of like, what is that percentage going to be of that local gallery and already start adding that into the price. Right. Cause when I think about it, you, a lot of us as artists, we don't add in that price of taking the artwork to a show, marketing the artwork, you know, sure. We charge the price of creating the artwork, but what about all the overhead that's, involved. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with a gallery and you become a partner, it's almost like that that cost goes to them because now they're paying they're the ones promoting the work or doing whatever it is. And that percentage is going to be usually somewhere between 20 and 50%. Yeah. Um, so you got you it's it's a good idea to start really even if you're just getting started and you know that you're not going to be in a gallery soon, have some type of pricing increase over the years or over the months to get you to that place where if you are approached by a gallery, then, you know, splitting that, that sale is going to be, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, Shan Chan wants to know what if the jury's local and most local artists are not like you, is it worth to try to get in? I would say from my experience, yes. If you are interested, I, the co-op that I belong to was considered to be the most conservative gallery in town. But um, once I was in there, I realized that they had a really diverse range of works. In fact, I used to gallery sit um, with a human that did some really out there, like three-dimensional stuff. 
and was one of the newest members like I was. And so they were really looking for work that wasn't like everything else that they had, but also that fit, that they felt that they could sell. Yeah. Um, so they, they, it, I wanted, they wanted me. They wanted, they wanted Rafi so much. Rafi wouldn't be part of it. No, I was. He was like member was, adjacent because I was there. Yes, but I, they, <laughs> <laughs> I was member adjacent. No, I was too busy with other stuff. I didn't have time to like sit a gallery or stuff like that, which is what happens when you uh, join a co-op because it's a bunch of artists running it. Yeah, there was definitely time obligations. Um, in fact, I joked that Rafi was member adjacent because he ended up doing a lot of things for them. <laughs> yeah. Because they were nice people. <laughs> Sarah says, galleries in my area only like you if you're known. Well, Sarah, is that true? Have you approached the galleries or are you just saying that and that's your excuse to not approach galleries? I mean, that is what we're talking about a little bit when we say that a gallery likes to see that you at least have a little bit of a following, that they're not going to be doing 100% of the marketing for you, that you're doing at least half the marketing for yourself and that you have people that are interested in your work. And that's that's the thing, Sarah. If you, you I know that you're doing shows and you're putting your artwork mm -hmm. out there. So you're known to some people and the more you do it, the more known you become. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to approach that from a place of like, make sure you're not telling yourself some whack story that's going to keep you from doing something that you want to do. I also want to just touch on like, um, don't, overlook or underestimate the power of like a physical portfolio um so many people these days think that their instagram is their art portfolio and i'm like that that just personally doesn't work for me instagram is great like on the fly it's great for showing your work for showing your work but no it's I love having physical objects, mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, people love receiving physical objects. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would I would definitely print up my own portfolio, and I've done that for commission meetings. I've done that for going to local businesses. Um, I print up a portfolio every once in a while just just because I want to have it or at least honest. you know keep keep a folder on your computer that that has pictures of the work that you're most proud of so that you can easily put that in an email I have yet to have a gallery ask me for my Instagram like yeah. a lot of people think that that's just the common practice these days but honestly even now, this year here in our new area the galleries that were interested in us uh, they wanted to see our work in person. Yeah. And they, they came to see our work in person. Exactly. Um, that's that's the best portfolio is putting together your own show. Yeah. So, so don't rely on your social media profile for your portfolio, which also frees you up to post more than just two-dimensional pictures of your work exactly. on social media. I Kelly just... said there is an artist gallery near that will only hang his own art. If I owned a gallery, I would hang other artists' art. Yeah, there's there's a lot of galleries that are opened up. We've been asked if we would open up a gallery um, where we showed our art, and I just don't want a brick-and-mortar location that mm -hmm. we would be married to. So Generally, I feel like it's lucrative if you're going to have the overhead costs of showing your own work at a brick-and-mortar location to open the space up to at least a handful of other artists. A handful of artists, um, yeah. But not everyone does that, and I guess if you have 
the overhead covered and you're just opening the gallery for your own specific works, then more power to you. You know, if you yep. can do that, uh, that's great. Yeah. That's essentially what Rafi and I have here, except it's in our house. Yeah. Is it's our gallery. It's just our work. We're not having other artists come in and hang their work in our house. It's not to say that we would never open the house up for something like that, but and that's what we've always we've always done. I I don't know that we would because you know there there's a lot of artwork in we here. We don't really have we don't have the yeah. space for it. Like we have designated areas for the artwork that we collect, but mostly the house is my artwork because it is our gallery. And if we're gonna open up our space to like a a studio tour or something like an open gallery day then it would make sense for us to have that. Now, we don't have the additional overhead of having a space. I think my favorite, one of, I should say, one of my favorite gallery models and one that I'm, like, psyched about having relationships with are the galleries that feature one artist a month in rotation. So we had relationships with, like, um, like you with Dolce & Gelato. Mm-hmm. Or us with Graffiti Gallery last year. We ended up having the gallery for two months. Um, but in general, they're giving a single artist the space to utilize each month. For a month, yeah. For a month in rotation. Uh, some people choose to get together with other artists to share the cost and share the planning responsibility. Such as we have a plein air group here who they have an exhibition usually in the fall. And they all share the cost and the marketing and they put on a group show. But I really like that because then it doesn't lock you into a permanent situation, but it's a good way to get your stuff out there in a big way at least once a year or once every couple of years. And that's the whole concept of the pop-up gallery. Like, I love the idea of doing pop-up shows, right? And I considered that, like, when I did the show at Dolce & Gelato, when I did the show at Hanson... You know, these are different businesses. Dolce & Gelato is like a bar, uh, gelato restaurant, record shop shop place. So cool. Really cool. They had a big wall for artwork, and I filled that up. And then really at the end of the day, you're like um, reception, the way that you – it's like throwing a party. So when you think of like doing a pop-up gallery, the way that I've always thought about it is – throwing a big party, inviting everyone that I possibly can to this party where we're going to be displaying and talking about my art. But also there's going to be entertainment. There's going to be uh, music. There's going to be music. There's going to be food. There's going to be wine. It basically, you're giving people a reason to go. I love going to art exhibitions, not only for the art, but for the mingling and the drinking of the wine and eating eating their food. Indeed. It's pretty amazing. Shan-Chan wants to know, would it be good to make the three picks of work different subjects? I would say yes, unless there is one subject that you do, like, and that is what you do, then that's what you do. But if you do more than one type of subject, I would definitely try to show a range of things that you do. Yeah. If, if you have a range, then show a range. If you want to, you know, if that's the thing that you're mostly working on really Shan Shan, it's up to you. Like Mm -hmm. you got to remember, like it's one, a lot of people approach galleries as if it's like, this is, this is the Holy grail. I have to get into this gallery. And really at the end of the day, like everything that you put 
together in order to jury in for this gallery or to, you know, build a relationship with that gallery is based on how you want your relationship to go with that gallery. Yeah, that's a piece of the puzzle that we shouldn't overlook. And I'm glad you mentioned it because when I was showing my collection, uh, yes, I showed them pieces that I thought would get a positive response. But what I didn't show them was pieces that I didn't want to produce for them. Right, So there were collections that I didn't want to have in that particular gallery. Because we wanted people to come directly to us. So I didn't show any of that stuff. Or there were pieces that I had specifically for a different gallery that I had a relationship with that I wasn't showing to that gallery conflict of interest kind of thing yeah so yeah it's really like that's a good question to ask yourself it's like what do i want to be producing for this gallery if they accept me show them that for sure um i saw you tour and inventory art that you had in town what type of places did you approach hotels definitely told me no thinking of trying bars so we had work in um real estate offices there are real estate offices, offices, a closing office, traditional galleries, cafes, cafes, uh, salons, salons, a there, few restaurants, a few restaurants. There were some restaurants that would accept art, but I, there were actually two in particular that were a little too rambunctious and I was like, I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel good. So like, really, it's not just approaching, I, to be honest with you, approach everyone. If they have walls and there's a possibility of your art being displayed under walls. Then it doesn't hurt to ask. Then it doesn't hurt to ask. But yeah, that was the main criteria is like, do I feel like the artwork is going to be safe here? Or do I feel like there's the potential for it to be damaged? With a bar, I would particularly look at that. Um, With that bar in particular, there was one, actually both of the bars were like that, where it was like really dark in there. Everything was like that sticky wood color. You know, and I was like, this is not, this isn't the place Probably not. where I want to display. Um, Rafi had work in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, the hotels um, in Pensacola had reached out to the co-op gallery that I belong to. It was, they were looking for like a rotating collection from a group of artists. Hotels can be a little weirder, especially if they're a chain hotel. Yeah. There's like restrictions on what they can have. If they're if they're a chain hotel, they're going to have like one buyer that basically is going to buy from a known uh, outlet where they could get mm-hmm. a mass amount of prints for their hotels. So, but I would still approach like bed and breakfasts. Uh, I would approach um, local like small hotels. Definitely. You know, and and just because they say no, sometimes they just don't know. And that's the thing. It's like my modus operandi was I would see a place. Oh, they got some walls. This would be a good place to show my art. Um, I would approach them, ask them. And if they said no, I would write them down on a list and then I would contact them a year later. Unless they were jerks. Yeah, unless they were jerks. If they were jerks, then I didn't (laughs) want to do business with them. But you just keep... You know, just because somebody says no doesn't mean that it's no forever. It just means no right now. I would say, like, start with the places that you like the best, right? If there's a coffee shop you really dig, um, and so on and so forth. We had really good relationships with, the like, anybody that's associated with real estate, whether it was a closing office or a staging company 
or like the people that actually show, you know, realtors themselves. Like we, we, Rafi kind of had all of that going on. Um, cause you know, houses and artwork sort yeah. of go together. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of, a lot of corporate, you know, a lot of those corporate places, they've, they've got blank walls, you yeah. know, and like they, they're going to be the closing office in the main meeting room. I had four paintings in there and then in all their hallways and in offices where people would come in, there were my paintings with my price tag. If somebody was interested in a painting, my email address was on there. Mm-hmm. They could contact me, and then I would come in and do the sale. So another thing, if you're going to do it that way, you want to make sure that it's somewhere where it's not going to be a hall, right, for you to – that's why I always recommend, like, local or at least um, local adjacent, like in a local town – in a town that's not too far from you that maybe it's 15, 20 minutes away where it's not a big deal – and especially if you're like driving out there to sell something. Mm-hmm. Um, I also eventually started setting it up where we could do we could do the transaction online. So they were listed on my website. So if somebody did contact me, then I would send them the link and then they would purchase. And then I would give the the office the OK that so and so is going to be mm-hmm. taking the artwork. That does allow you to do slightly further distances Um I would say that our most successful partnerships, like, i.e., they felt the best and the most art was sold, was, like, little boutique coffee shops and restaurants. Restaurants. I sold a lot of artwork out of the one of the restaurants downtown Pensacola. N- not only them, but Dolce & Gelato. Yeah, Dolce. I sold um, a lot of artwork as well. Yeah, I and that's just our experience, but yeah, the little cool like they get your aesthetic and you like their aesthetic boutique locally owned places. Yeah. Um we had the best relationships with them. Leslie said cafes and restaurants are my best alternative exhibition space and I'm always amazed at what works sell. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um and it even the same, you know, like uh, Marty Campbell Gallery is like a, um, you know, it's not a mega gallery, right? It's a, he owns it, he runs it, he cares about us. I would call it like a boutique gallery. Um, I had my most big successes there um, with him. Sarah says, condos and apartments could probably work too. I never approached condos and apartments. Basically, if I did approach condos and apartments, it was to try and sell prints to them because I always felt uncomfortable having my artwork for sale in a place where it's not being monitored. Um, Maybe talk to corporate headquarters, doctor's offices like dentists, Cairo, optometry. Yeah, yeah, anything that feels right. Now, the difference there is, like, um, f- they had built a large condominium complex uh, in Pensacola, like, towards the end of us living there, and they were looking for artwork, not... Well, they were looking for artwork for their commons areas, which was monitored. Right. Um. So that was something that... that yeah. We probably would have been looking at if we weren't leaving. <laughs> but, yeah, and I did, I did a live painting mm-hmm. there as well, so... That's one of the biggest things, too, is like whenever there's any kind of events, it doesn't matter. Like it was an event for the opening of this um, condo and, you know, I was invited to do a live painting there. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing. Like 
as an artist, you have the capability of being part of the entertainment, either just your artwork or you doing a live painting or anything like that. And it's it that's that gives you the ability to expand your reach, you know, and every single one of those opportunities is a, a free way to promote yourself yeah. in front of a new audience. Um, there's another scenario that Rafi really took advantage of in a great way that worked out for the business and him, which was not not hanging work that was for sale, but being commissioned to create work for the business that the business would buy and that the business would own, but that would be an enormous calling card for Rafi. Yep. So one of those businesses was a restaurant called Taco Agave. Rafi did like a eight-foot agave field painting for them yep it was amazing it was hung in a very prominent location and it was like a giant business card for rafi um another one was a 14 foot piece that was done for a paper company mm-hmm. um and a lot a lot of people will ask well how did you get that commission right because it's like here's this mysterious thing like how does an artist get a big corporate commission well it's really simple um because of all the shows we did, one of the managers that worked in the place knew of my artwork and talked me up to the corporate headquarters, right? Because that person, Chris, had collected my artwork for years. Mm-hmm. And he met me at the Pal Fox Market when I was showing my art at the Pal Fox Market mm-hmm. and in several other pieces, uh, other places. Actually, in all instances where we've done something large scale, it's because one person took one an interest. Person, one person. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to say here is that like it was because there was one person and the reason that that one person took an interest is because they met us years earlier at as some podunk art walk. Some po- yeah, some podunk <laughs> art walk that no nobody you know that there were some some of the people like with Charlotte. Right, there are a lot of big projects that I've worked on that Charlotte invited me to because we did the art walk in Fort Walton Beach, and she met us there. Which there were like three artists there on the sidewalk. Like it wasn't, but we met her there the first time, and like. We've been great friends since then, and she's collected a lot of my artwork and yeah. a lot of your jewelry. Same thing with Taco Agave. Um, same thing with Oren. Oren was recommended yep. by one person. Same thing with the large art installation. We did the huge art installation that we did because one person found one of Rafi's scavenger hunt artworks and wanted to know who the human was behind the scavenger hunt. So don't... don't overlook the fact that like each person that you interact with even if you're at like this podunk show um you just don't know who they are or what they might be looking for in the future or who they might connect you with it's all it all comes down to humans yeah it all comes down to human leslie said offering an exchange of service for hanging work makes for a positive relationship i offer a dj set that's very cool, Leslie. It's really, a, uh, yeah, it's got to be a symbiotic relationship. You you need to be benefiting, and so does the business that yep. you're partnering with. Sarah says, networking, marketing, connecting. 
<laughs> it's all just people relationships. Yeah, I I'm know. I'm still working we, on my relationship with the word networking. I mean, those are and the, the problem is that it's like networking, right? Because everything is really motivated towards making that sale, towards getting that commission, towards I'm going to do this. I need to go to this event because I have to network with. And I'm like, just go to the event to meet people. You know, like just go yeah. and meet people. Don't have some ulterior motive. Of like, if I do this thing, then I'm going to get this out of it. I think that's what Zara's illustrating. Yeah. Is like, that is all just meeting people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, that, and that's the thing. It's like, every opportunity, every everything that you do, right, that you put out there, whether it is approaching a gallery or, you know, getting your work into a gallery or doing a pop-up show or doing a small artwork or doing some podunk little show that like nobody, you know, barely anybody attends. All of it, all of it is just you introducing yourself to people as the artist that you are, right? Because that's what you're there doing. You're showing your art. If you're doing a live painting, you're showing your art. If your artwork is hanging somewhere, your art is speaking for you and saying, this person is an artist. This is what they do. And it, you know, the proof is in the pudding, if you're putting it out there, you're putting the artwork out there, then you are That's hilarious. an artist. The proof is in the pudding. Yep. <laughs> you like it? Oh, you know I like it. <laughs> um, it makes me really mad when people say, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want to get into the big leagues art world. They want to do Art Basel. They don't want to do anything that might lead to Art Basel. They just want their golden ticket. And I'm like, sorry, dudes. It doesn't work that way. I had I had somebody that was like, I'm going to do Art Basel. And then I got to get into the VIP section. And that's where, like, all the money is. And that's where whatever. I'm like, really? Okay. So you're going to do Art Basel, which first off, Artists don't do Art Basel. you got to be part of a gallery that does Art Basel. Second off, um, most of it is VIP, right? So you're going to get into this VIP party. Exactly how are you going to get into this VIP party? Third off, why don't you just go and have fun? You know? There's a novel instead idea. Of, instead of going in there, because people smell that a mile away. Mm-hmm. When you are trying to take advantage of the system... People know, art collectors know, if you're going in and you're desperately trying to like jump through hoops or impress someone, um, first off, you leave that situation feeling like garbage, right? Because you think that you have to impress this person to be someone. And there's no reason to do it because it's not going to work. So you might as well confidently put yourself out there, not care not jump through hoops, but do these things because you genuinely want to meet people. You genuinely want to introduce yourself to the world as an artist to feel more confident in that place. That's why we're constantly saying, like, if there are spaces and groups and places that you want to be in, circles you want to be in, go first as a supporter of, as a patron. Go, go, just go. Be in that space. Get to know the people that exist in that space. Um, that That's how you meet the people, right? Um, Shan Shan says, I know it's off topic a little, but is it totally crazy to make show walls with a peg wall? 
hubby idea. Well, not really, but... There are lighter weight materials. Yeah. You want to go as lightweight as possible with show walls. You really do. Um, you really do. Which is why we... Did the Ra- shade cloth, yeah. We, yeah, Rafi does the shade cloth because it's very strong. Unless you intend to hang extremely heavy work. Yeah, I'm talking like 120 pound work. Because the shade cloth wall could actually handle like, like 50 things pounds. that are 50 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're over 50 pounds with your work, maybe peg peg wall is a good idea. But trust me, you don't want to be carrying you make anything heavier than you need to week after week to yeah. shows. Yeah. You want to make it so easy that when you're doing the show, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if it becomes a big deal and it's like whatever, if you're like, ugh. Every time you got to do a show because you know you got to carry some heavy crap, then it's it's just going to become miserable. The so other thing make it easy. there to consider is that shade cloth is going to let air flow through it a lot better than peg wall um, to keep your tent ventilated. Uh, so shade cloth, in our mind, is ideal yeah. for shows. Sarah says, genuine, authentic, so much easier. Yes, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Just go to a thing and be yourself. Don't have some ulterior motive. And that's the thing, like, when it comes to approaching galleries or businesses or people, opportunities, um, anything like that, like, you want to check yourself. You want to check what's your ulterior. Do you have an ulterior motive? Are you, you know, we have the the tendency to turn things into the holy grail, right? So this is important. If I get into this gallery, then I will be someone. Then, you know, and it could be anything. And a lot of times there's some kind, you don't even know what they are until you really start to investigate. It could be like, if I get into this gallery, then my mom will get off my case and, and call me an artist. If I get into this gallery, people will take me seriously, Blah, 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 right? So, like, getting into this gallery now becomes this big, giant, end-all, be-all thing. And that's not the reality of it, guys. None of it is. Getting into a magazine, coming out in a newspaper. You know, you want to uh, you want to get into a newspaper, right? And usually you get into a newspaper by doing some kind of, like, fun local thing, right? Where you do something that not everybody else is doing, and then you get interviewed and you come out in the paper. And a lot of people think that if you come out in the paper, then that's it. Now everyone knows about you. And, you know, you become, we've been in magazines. We've been interviewed on TV. We've been interviewed on the radio. Uh, we've been in newspapers, several newspaper articles. Um, we're not famous because of it. No, you just have to keep going. I love uh, sometimes when Rafi's brother will talk about, he's a musician, and he'll, and his band plays for massive, they play auditorium. They sell out arenas. 100,000 people. Yeah. And then he drives home by himself in his car with the radio turned off. Because it's easy. <laughs> or he listens like, to talk radio. I'm not, it doesn't, because you, you have to keep doing it. It's great to have that milestone of playing for an auditorium. But it's not a career-making yeah. um, event. It's not. And the truth is that all of those things are bragging rights, right? Yeah, definitely. So you get into a gallery, that's cool. I've been in, you know, I've been in two, three, three galleries. Bragging rights. Am I in a gallery now? No, it doesn't really matter. I'm in this gallery. We've been interviewed on newspapers. We've, uh, 
you know, been on TV. Uh, we're in a PBS documentary. These are all cool bragging rights, mm-hmm. right? But they don't really mean anything. I, I am an award-winning artist. I have, like, solid awards. Um, that's great, right? It's that one little thing that you add on that line on your resume for people that need to see social proof. Or confidence building for yourself. Yeah, confidence building for yourself. But I wouldn't rely on that for confidence building. Yeah, you don't need those things. I would say the the thing is that they're set up for social proof, right? A lot of people, that's what they want to see as social proof. But the truth is that as you're doing shows and more people meet you and people see you more than once or more than three times doing a show, showing your artwork, putting your artwork out there... That in of itself is social proof enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where I go back to that conversation with Sarah where she says, you know, the galleries around here want people that are known. That's how you become known is by putting the artwork out there. And meeting people. Yeah. And definitely check your motives. I like Sarah's like, oh, you guys are artists? <laughs> I just noticed Rafi's shirt. Yes, I, for everybody that's listening to this, I'm wearing one of our Archrovert shirts. They're great. Which says, Archroverts, unite. We're here. We're uncomfortable. We want to go home and paint. It's good. I'm actually wearing a local artist designs. <laughs> Rachel Stein. Shout out to her. I love Shout out to t-shirt. Rachel. Um, yeah, see, uh, no idea. She has no idea that I just promoted her on our podcast. Exactly. One person. One person. <laughs> but do keep your motives. It's good to have ambitions, right? Okay, example. You want to exist in certain circles or in certain places, and you go to those places because you would like to exist in those circles, right? But there's a fine line between, like, desperation and wanting something. And I think that's, it's hard to explain. You just have to know what, what each one feels like. We've met people that are excited to meet us because they follow us and they're like, I'm about, I'm going to fangirl right now and it's fine and it doesn't feel icky because they're just excited, right? Yes, they want to know us because X, Y, and Z. And then we've had people that want to know us just because they think we can do something for them. Yeah. And they don't really care about any other facet of it. And that's why I say, like, it's very transparent. That desperation is very, very transparent to everyone. And here's the truth of the matter, right? Those circles that we talk about, because this will be a big one that I hear from a lot of artists, is that, like, I want to, you know, it's only the wealthy buy artwork, and I want to find a way to get into those circles, right? As if there's like this like circle of just the people in local areas just go to these like wealthy things, right? We have a customer and clientele base of friends that are all walks of wealth, right? From super rich to not very rich. Um, We have friends that are from all circles, that collect our artwork, you meet them by doing events. Some of the most wealthy people that we've met, we met through doing like small podunk shows. Yeah. You know, a flea market. One of my wealthiest collectors (laughs) 
found me through the flea market another while we started one, at the flea market. Another one was walking by while you were doing an outside live painting at a like a rock concert at like a little like bar. Yeah. In town. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so you want to know where you meet <laughs> the rich collectors of art everywhere. You meet them at the laundromat. You meet them at, you know, in some local rock show. You meet them uh, while you're doing a show at the flea market. If that's what you're doing, you meet them everywhere. There isn't, you don't have to get into the VIP section at Art Basel to meet people. And the reason that I'm saying this is, A, that particular artist that said that, um, he said that four years ago, till this day is not broken into the site the vip section of art basil that we know of no. <laughs> unless he literally <laughs> broke in. um and there the story hasn't changed it's the same story right and i think that when you focus on these ideas that are holy grails right that you start to obsess and think, if this thing happens, then and only then will I be successful. Um, you limit yourself because it doesn't work that way. It, it's it's basically like scattering marbles. That's that's what having a successful art career is. Is like just kind of letting them bounce and go in all these different directions, and you have no idea where your art career is going to lead you based on these things that a lot of times we think they're insignificant. But really it's like it's like saying that you want to play the Super Bowl halftime show as a musician, but like you're not but you're like, "Oh, I don't want to play like any gigs though." Right. Like, or put my like I don't want to go through the trouble of like distributing my music. Like <laughs> how the hell is anyone supposed to find out about you? Exactly. <laughs> or like exactly. you want a New York Times bestseller book, but you're not like putting your book out there yeah yeah like. <laughs> it just it, it and that's one of the things that doesn't make sense is like okay so you're not if you're not showing your art if you're not putting your artwork out there if you're not putting yourself out there as an artist then nobody knows who you are nobody knows who you are and the way that it works is very simple you do have to approach you approach galleries and you approach and you're going to get rejected and people are going to say no and you just keep approaching and you keep approaching and some will say yes and then you do this show over here and you do that show over there and you meet this person and you meet that person and next thing you know, you're starting to build a network of people that are supportive of you. You basically start to create your audience, your fan base, you know, for, mm -hmm. for a poor choice of word. Fan yeah, base. your fan base. Yeah, you start to create your fan base. Your extended family, your group of friends. Shan Shan says, I just worry about success because hubby pays bills and retail job, and I want to pay him back or show gratitude for letting me pursue this. He'll probably let you pay him back in hugs and kisses. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I get that. Wanting to, wanting to achieve success not for monetary purposes, which is great by the way. And don't don't add that extra pressure on yourself, you know, because it is it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It really isn't um one of those things, you know, you're going to have moments where we 
we still we've been doing this for a long time. We have months where I'm like, holy shit, we did really good this month. And then we have months where I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how I could come up with a hundred bucks because I am way under on what I need to pay, or I need to figure out, okay, we we got to pay for this. What kind of plan do we have in place to be able to do this? And at that point, I start to look, how many times am I showing my art? How much am I putting myself out there? How many people know who I am and and what can I do here? And no matter how much of a following you have, you know, you're going to want to keep putting yourself out there. That's the fun part, you guys. And it's like, you got to see it as the fun part. And I know for a lot of artists, you know, I'm wearing the shirt, Art Traverts. It's uncomfortable. it's, It's uncomfortable, but it's... It's something that grows on you. It's something that really you develop. For anybody that puts themselves out there, it's a thing that you develop. And the only way that you can really develop it is by understanding there's nothing wrong with taking a risk and saying hello. There's nothing wrong with approaching a business and saying, hey, I see you have a lot of empty space on your walls. Do you ever have local art um, on your walls? Do you ever have local artists put artwork up on your walls? You know, and, and just asking the questions, there's nothing wrong with that. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong with going into a gallery. It doesn't matter how high-end the gallery is and approaching somebody and, you know, asking them like, hey, I'm I'm a an artist in the area and I'm really curious. I love your gallery. I, I'm really curious on how it, what's the process of me getting my artwork in here? And you just, you just keep doing that everywhere. Just keep Pretty presenting much. presenting yourself as the artist that you are. Not not just for the opportunities that might open up, but do it because it'll make you a better, more resilient person. At least in my experience, I would say that's the most awesome thing. I I agree. I agree. the The most awesome thing from this whole thing is learning, improving to yourself. I have the right to ask for what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in trouble. It's not rude of me to ask. I have the right to ask for what I want. I want to have my artwork out there. I would love for my artwork to be in this place. Ask. Mm-hmm. It, and, and in interacting with all kinds of different people over a long span of time, like I have become the person that I wanted to be. Like more open, more communicative. Um, all those things. Do it for yourself and yeah. who you envision yourself as, as a successful artist. I mean, really, you guys, at the end of the day, this whole journey of being an artist is all a journey of self-discovering, really discovering who you are and allowing yourself to be that person. And really approaching galleries and all that stuff. You know, when you're approaching, and that's why I say when you're approaching something from that desperate mindset, it really does not showcase who you really are, right? Whereas if you approach something and you're like, you know what, I've got something that I can give here. And, you know, you have walls, I have artwork. You have this gallery that shows this kind of art. This is the kind of art that I have. Um, You have this empty building space. Well, I'd love to do a pop-up. This is what I'd love to do for you. It's like, I think the reason is that a lot of artists approach it from a place where it's like, oh, poor me, like, look at me, look at me here, give me something versus what can I actually offer here? And I think that that has only really produced itself within me 
because of the journey Mm -hmm. that I've taken. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Norma Jean says, artists create beauty. What good is it if it's not shared? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Shan Shan said, Sarah, you're the one that called your art your babies. Workshop is cool. Yeah, that, so for anybody that's listening to this, Klee and I are putting together a workshop in October, October 10th, for artists. It's true. So uh, <laughs> let me promote the workshop that that's we're not putting what, together. That's not what that comment was about, but I that's know, a good segue. but it did remind me of that, <laughs> so thank you, Shan Shan, for commenting on something that's not about that. We are putting together a workshop for yes. October. Uh, we're going to go in-depth on a lot of the business end of the art and that's it you guys i think that that pretty much covers it all i would say at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's a gallery or if it's a local business or if it's an empty building space uh just there is nothing wrong with asking the place where clee and i uh set our vows and and did our marriage ceremony was this beautiful gazebo on pal fox street right private property uh, we called the bid, the building owner and said, hey, you have this beautiful gazebo. We'd like to get married. Um, you know, is there any way that we could do our ceremony there, even though it's private property? And he said, yes, absolutely. Like, I wish more people would call and ask because it's a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, had we been like, oh, I don't know. It's private property and not really sure and blah, blah. And you could easily talk yourself out of anything Instead of doing that, talk yourself into things. Talk yourself into asking that question because there's nothing wrong with asking for what you want. And that's it. That's that's where I'm ending this podcast. I like it. So, um, yeah, hopefully you guys got something out of this. Thank you so much to the Rogues for being here. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing, and I totally adore you. And thank you for everybody listening to the podcast. You guys are awesome. Our podcast has been growing in popularity. Uh, It's actually quite astonishing to me. So thank you for listening. And yeah, other than that, go out there and ask. Damn it. Ask for what you want. And that's it. You want to say goodbye? Good day. Adios. Adios.